0: All right, everybody, what is going on? Welcome to another episode of Rants and Revelations with me, your boy, Alex Rudinger. Uh, It is November 10th. Uh, What is it? It's Monday. Oh, wait, I guess, well, it is the 10th. It is one in the morning, though, so it's actually Tuesday. Uh, My mind still thinks that it is Monday, but it is indeed Tuesday. Technically speaking... Um, Yeah, so a lot went on this week. Uh, I'll get some of the more obvious things out of the way just because it's obviously something pretty much everyone has talked about, the presidential election. uh, Joe Biden is the president-elect, despite what (laughs) some people are saying. That is the case. And I've got to tell you all, uh, you know, as I have said, I know it might not be wise to talk about politics as an entertainer of sorts, but goddamn am I happy about that. Uh, You know, and I go back and forth too because I kind of think, I I find it hard to believe that there are probably too many like hardcore Trump supporters that would follow me and listen, you know, listen to this podcast. Uh, Because in general, I, I do think that Not always, because I've definitely met exceptions, but more often than not, uh, artists of any variety are more left, you know, a little bit anyway. And I even consider myself to be more, uh, like in the middle, but, um, there are certain things as I think I have said before already that I'm definitely more liberal on, particularly, uh, civil rights and, and all that stuff, um, so, yeah, I mean, in general, though, it is a monumental relief to know that Donald Trump is not going to be the president anymore. Uh, to be honest, I'm a little bit terrified to even say that out loud simply because I, I just think Trump is going to like try to pull a fast one and exhaust every avenue to cheat his way into staying in the office. And it's insane. Like, you know, all this business of like the fraud and stuff. I'm just like, Oh my God. Like there is no evidence to support any of it. Uh, And it's like Biden, his popular vote count is so much bigger. It's, I hate the electoral college, but there are probably 8 billion other uh, people, you know, news sources and podcasters that talk about this. So, I'm not going to spend that much time on it. I'm just very happy uh, to know that Biden is going to be the president Um, and Kamala Harris, especially too. I mean, what, uh, you know, I don't know a ton about her. I've heard some controversial things, but I think some of the people I've heard it from um, just didn't really like her because they were more conservative. But regardless, it's uh, quite an achievement to have a person uh, of color in the presidential office and I'm it makes me proud to be an american again <laughs> to be honest I haven't felt all that proud to be an american these last 4 years that is for sure um you know but I watched her in Biden's speech uh over the weekend and she spoke first and you know it's wild I uh I did not expect this but while I was listening to her speak I I got like emotional, like I almost started crying and I was not expecting that just because it, it felt incredible to hear both her and and Biden uh, speak just because of the way they speak and the decency. It's like whether or not they accomplish everything that they plan to accomplish, you know, obviously remains to be seen. And I'm not saying that either of them are perfect or that they won't. Make mistakes; they are, after all, human beings. And politics will always be politics. But to hear people that are supposed to be our leaders, you know, stand up and speak with decency, and you know, uh, preach equality, and and just, oh my God, it's it's so refreshing. And to hear her talk about you know her history and uh, how it's just it makes me feel pride. To be from this country, and I I haven't felt that in so long. Uh, <laughs> like, it's crazy, um, and it it was just really lovely. And uh, man, it makes me emotional just thinking about it. Like, I'm so happy for for that. And anyway, so uh, one other thing, though, you know, one thing that did kind of uh, get me down a little bit is the. And this is still about the election. Um, I'll make it quick though, but I I ran some math because I was interested. Um, And I was curious because to me, you know, it was still a pretty close race. And to be honest, that was kind of discouraging or almost upsetting to me because the idea that that many people, um, you know, support Donald Trump and and can't see past what he is, um, it blows my mind. So I was curious, like, how many people you know, relative to the American population really did vote for him. And, and I, I basically just looked at the last census. So this is the 2010 census. Um, obviously, these numbers have probably increased, there were probably a lot more people that were able to vote, because basically, I just looked at uh, total populations by age, right? So first, let's start with um, the amount of people as of now, anyway, that have voted for both Biden and Trump. Uh, there have been roughly 77 million votes for Biden, I'm rounding here, uh, and 72 million votes for Trump. And if you look at total population, I thought that this was pretty interesting. In the age range of 18 to 44, again, keep in mind, this is 2010. So these numbers aren't exactly, exactly accurate, but it's just kind of like, uh, I don't know, a general kind of thing to give you an idea, I guess. But 18 to 44, 113 million in our country. Uh, 44 or 45 to to 64, 81 million. And then 65 and older, uh, 40 million. So if you add all of that together, it's 234 million people. And uh, everyone else in our country, you know, our country has well over 300 million, but everyone else past that 234 million uh, are under the... Voting age, you know, they're not 18 children. In other words, and uh, you know, if you add up the total um, count from Biden and Trump, it's 149 million, roughly. Again, so uh, percentage-wise, 149 million out of you know 234 million, it's 63.68% um, of the people in this country that can vote. 63.68%. Voted, You know, again, this is all rough estimate because I used a 10 year old census because the information for the 2020 census isn't actually out yet. Um, but 63%, almost 64%. Um, I don't know if that's like a record, I have no idea. But it was always my understanding that a lot less people in this country uh, voted than that. <laughs> so, um, and and furthermore, though, I mean, you know, of that percentage, right? You know, you subtract 77 million right off the bat because they voted for Biden, which means out of the whole population, you know, 70, let me, I can do that math right now, I guess. Well, I'll just estimate it, but 72 million voted for Trump. And there's a total of, you know, more like 350 million people in the country. Uh, you know, close to, I guess, 35% of them didn't even vote anyway. So, The percentage of people that actually voted for Trump, relatively speaking, of the entire population of the country is pretty, not minimal, but it's smaller. Once I did the math, it made me feel a little bit better about it (laughs) because basically, you know, yeah, he got a lot of votes, but relatively speaking to the population, uh, a lot of people didn't vote, Um, you know, so you add that with Biden's votes and it now makes the Trump number look a lot smaller, and that just made me feel a little bit better about it. Um, anyway, enough of all that. Uh, let me see, what else do I... There was a couple things I wanted to talk about. I got a couple more emails that I definitely wanted to go over as well. Um Oh, I remember. One thing I also wanted to say real quick, um, Alex Trebek, the host of Jeopardy, died, and uh, I was sad about that. Um, not, like, devastated. I didn't even know him, but... He's kind of an icon in American culture. And in general, I think Jeopardy! is probably played all around the world, I would imagine. So definitely an icon of sorts. And uh, I don't know a lot about him. I haven't read about him. But from what I understand, uh, he's always been a very good, decent man. And whenever someone uh, in the later—that's, you know, an older person especially that's lived their entire life— and dies, and and they were decent, they were a good person during their time alive on this planet, I always like to take a moment to just like really think about it and acknowledge them, because there are so many people that aren't decent for their entire life, you know? And uh, so, you know, it's it's sad to see a decent human being go, especially one that influenced uh, culture in such a big way. So, uh, you know, may he rest in peace. And again, I don't know a ton about his, uh, story. I mean, shit, for all I know, there's some huge controversy he had in his career, but from what I've read, the minimal stuff that I have read, he's always been a very, uh, upstanding human being. So, shout out to him, and, uh, you know, I'm sure his Jeopardy reruns will be watched for decades and decades to come. So, uh, Yeah. Plus, you know, his name's Alex. That's my name. Pretty sick name. Am I right, guys? All right. (laughs) Anyway, there was some other stuff. Uh, I'm going to go over this one email. Um, Oh, you know what else, though? Random. I I heard the NBA will be restarting in like December, which I'm like, oh, my God. It's like the only other good thing to come out of (laughs) this fucking year. Okay, so I mean, big things for 2020 for me. LeBron James got his fourth ring, hella sick, and Biden got elected, hella sick, and then now the NBA is starting again in, like, a month. Like, I feel almost bad because the players have to play again, although I was thinking about that, too. I know that they were kind of throwing a fit about it, but at the same time, I'm kind of like, "Eh, like, y'all, like, you just gotta play basketball. Like, everything else is taken care of. Like, I'm not saying it's not a lot of work, and I'm not saying they don't deserve a break, but, like you know, for one year, they get a less of a break. You know, I mean, come on, just, you know, just come back and play. Really, I'm being selfish, though, because I'm just excited at the idea of only having to wait a month before I can start paying attention to basketball again. And a lot of people that were out last year are going to be back this year, like uh, Steph Curry and Klay Thompson are going to be healthy. The Warriors will probably be, you know, pretty powerful again. Um, Will they take the West? I have no idea. Remains to be seen. Um, I I think it a lot depends on if the Lakers, uh, if they make any trades, you know, I've seen random stuff about like Avery Bradley potentially going to LA. I don't know if that's true. Um, but, you know, if they get a couple more pieces, I think that they could, I mean, they could do it anyway. They just won a championship. But, um, and then over on the East, you know, Kevin Durant's back and uh, I've seen a couple things online about he's healthy and looking as good as ever. Uh, Which is badass. So, I mean, it should be even more competitive than last year, really. Um, I don't know if they're going to be doing the bubble again. That occurred to me recently. Like, if the season's going to restart, are they going to do it in Florida again, but have all the teams down there? Um, I I should look into that. I wonder because, I mean, next month, you know, the pandemic is still going to be going on technically. I did read something today about a potential vaccine, but I think it's all pretty preliminary still. Um, but yeah, so I'm excited at the idea of being able to watch basketball again. I also, uh, I I just love basketball and I love how they handled everything during COVID. They were the only sports franchise that literally from the time they restarted down in Florida in the bubble to when it ended zero cases, literally zero from all players and staff, no one got sick. And it's like, I don't know, man. You got to hand it to the NBA. They, like, had that shit on lock. So, yeah, I love the NBA. I cannot wait for it to restart. Um, Anyway, so, yeah, let me look at this email real quick. Mm. All right, I got an email here. I got a few, but I like this one uh, from a guy named Zach Shanley. Shanley? Shanley? Shanley is how I would think to say that. Zach, I apologize if I am butchering your last name. Uh, it says, Hey, Alex, I've been listening to the podcast and thought I'd email you a subject idea if you don't mind. I've pretty much given up being a drummer slash being in a band, but still get the motivation here and there to make videos when I watch yours and other drummers too. Uh, thanks, dude. I appreciate that very much. Uh, he continues, I think the main reason I don't have the motivation is because I don't have any professional recording equipment other than a GoPro and iMovie, and I have nowhere to practice other than my garage, which I hate playing in. So I was wondering what tips you have and if you could talk about that on one of your episodes. Also, what would you be doing if you don't want to be in a band but still wanted to do something with drums other than session work and things like that? Uh, So, yeah. Uh, Wait, where, where should I start here? So, okay, for starters... I definitely I'm sorry that you hate playing in your garage. Um, You know, it's funny, like the Whitechapel practice space. um, I'm always thankful that when I'm down there, I can go practice there. But the practice space they have is basically it's not like it's a storage unit, I guess, but it's essentially like a garage the way it is inside and what the building is made of and that kind of thing. And uh, it's really unpleasing to play in. So I totally understand that. You know, it's crazy how much a room can make a difference, you know, like from playing in that room to like, you know, both the times, my favorite live room I've ever recorded in is Middle Farm and, uh, in England, it's in Devon, England. And, uh, that live room, oh my God, drums just sound so good in there. Just hitting drums in that room is so pleasing. So, uh, I definitely understand that. Um, but I will say if you have the right in your monitoring, stuff, you know, that's part of the reason I invested so much into my in-ear monitoring setup, uh, you know, because I can have like a dope mix no matter where I am, you know, and yeah, the room does affect it a bit, but not much the way I have it set up. I mean, in my in-ears, I use a Behringer X-Air. I used the XR-16 for a long time, and I just got an XR-18 because I came across Uh, I came across one on Facebook Marketplace for like a couple hundred bucks. So I picked it up very recently. That was like a couple weeks ago. Um, And the only difference between them is the one I just got has more XLR inputs. I used to be limited to eight inputs and now I have 16. Um, I still don't use that many, but I've been using my 18 inch floor tom a lot lately because I'm going to be using one on uh, the Whitechapel album that I'm doing here in a couple weeks. So I wanted to have that extra XLR input, and I'd been wanting to get a unit that had more inputs in general anyway. So uh, I lucked out on finding that thing. But, yeah, you know, I run snare top into my ears, kick in, uh, kick trigger if I am triggering, but usually just kick in the top of all the toms, so 10, 12, 14, 16, 18... Uh, and then main overheads, and then also tracks. You know, I have an interface, and I usually always have Pro Tools open when I'm practicing and working on songs. And, you know, I, you can process everything with the XA, or you, it's a digital mixer that connects to your laptop, so I can go in there and process everything. And then, uh, you know, I have EQ on the overheads, on the snare, on the toms. All the toms are gated, the kick is gated. I have a very light gate or no gate on the snare. Um, you can compress stuff, you know, there's tons of options and it allows me to get a really awesome in-ear mix to practice with. Um, it's also part of the reason, you know, when I practice with the same old shitty drum heads that have been on my kit forever, I basically only change my heads if I am recording drum videos or if I'm, you know, on tour or playing with people, if I'm recording, obviously I'll change them. But when I practice on my own, there's no reason to, you know, like if I take my in-ears out and I don't even tune them that often, that's the thing. Like my drums probably sound like shit most of the time when I'm practicing because I'm just practicing by myself. What do I care? And it doesn't even sound bad in my ears because of the way I have them EQ'd and gated. It still sounds pretty dope, even if they're tuned like shit. So, you know, it's just kind of nice. Like it, o- it always feels like it sounds good to my ears and, uh, that's always really nice. So, having good monitoring is really important. Um, and obviously I know that not everyone can afford a setup like that, but you know, for years and years, um, also for the record though, you know, a setup like that isn't that much. I mean, you were talking about recording gear, you know, you could do something a little simpler, like do kick, kick in snare top in a stereo pair of overheads four mics. Um, You know, you need a couple stands and XLR cables. So four mics, stands, XLR cables, the overheads will pick up uh, the cymbals and a lot of everything. So that kind of covers toms, too. Not as desirable as having close mics for all the toms, but still better than nothing. And then you have a kick and a snare mic kind of for the extra clarity and focus on those drums, since they're kind of the core of the drum kit. Um, so you could start there and then the Behringer units, I mean the XR 16 and the 18 is a little pricier cause you get those additional inputs, but they even make like a, I think the XR 12 is only a couple hundred bucks. And, um, so, you know, you can set up a setup like that for relatively cheap. Now I have like a whole additional unit that I had custom made so I can process those signals from my mics. But if I play at like a clinic or a drum festival, I can also send those unprocessed signals, like a duplicate copy of them to the PA or to the interface that's being recorded through. Um, so I had that unit custom made by a company called BTPA audio. Um, but you don't have to go through all that. And additionally though, you could also do, uh, what I used to do, which was just use a little analog Behringer mixer, you know, one of those crappy, like hundred dollar mixers. And, uh, I would take an SM57 and just put it on the floor underneath my snare drum. That would pick up a lot of snare bottom and a lot of the kit in general. Definitely does not sound that good. Uh, but, you know, hearing a lot of snare bottom in your ears or in your headphones definitely gives you a lot of clarity. So even though it might not be super pleasing, it's very clear. Um, I, I can really never stress enough to people how important monitoring is as a drummer. But uh, So that's kind of just, you know, a little off-rant but uh, there's that. Uh, professional recording equipment, other than that, you know, uh, you mentioned that you have a GoPro and you have iMovie. Um, a lot of the times, you know, if you're a student, you can get discounts on the Adobe bundles and that sort of thing. I don't know. You know what? I'll look it up real quick. I think Adobe Premiere, you know, I, I pay for, uh, like, the bundle that gives me Adobe Premiere and... Uh, you know, Lightroom and Photoshop and InDesign, because I use all those things. Um, But you don't have to. I'm pretty sure there's one that has just Premiere that's cheaper. Uh, I don't know. I can't even... Well, it says here Premiere Pro monthly is $20 a month. That seems high to me, to be honest. Um, I don't know. I could have sworn there was a cheaper option. There might be, but... Anyway, I mean, $20 a month, I guess. I, I definitely recommend using Adobe Premiere. It's kind of the industry standard for video. Although I know people that work in iMovie and it's fine. So if you have iMovie, just you know try using that first if you can. Um, iMovie kind of used to be the industry standard, I think. And then it kind of became a little bit more streamlined for like uh, more consumer-grade users than like professional users. I never used it, but that's what I understand. Adobe Premiere kind of took over as the main thing at some point. And GoPros, I use a GoPro uh, as my overhead camera. It looks okay. I definitely don't really like the looks of GoPros, but it was it made the most sense for the overhead camera because I could get kind of a wide angle. I have a Hero 5 Black. I think they're, they've released several new ones since then. Um, but all the rest of my cameras are really old Canon T3Is, DSLR cameras. The T3i is definitely outdated. They don't even make it anymore. I bought all of them used. I have 4 of them and I bought all of them used on Craigslist or Facebook Marketplace. But, you know, with the right lighting, you can get them to look good and the right lens especially. So, um, you know, there are, you know, keep in mind like all this stuff costs money, but like I didn't start out with 4. You know, I bought one and then bought another and then over time I actually bought the last one like a year or two ago. So, you know, and I'd love to have even nicer cameras than that, but I just can't afford it. So I try to make, uh, the most with what I can. And I'm always trying to find other ways to, to get stuff that, uh, you know, is good quality, but isn't going to completely break my bank. So it is possible. Um, yeah. So that's one thing to look in older, uh, DSLRs, especially, you know, like the thing about the t3i is i'm pretty sure don't quote me on this but i'm pretty sure the video function of the canon t3i is like pretty much the same as the t4 and the t5i the ones that came after it uh what really changed i think was like some of the photography settings but if you're just using it for video you know and it's more or less the same like it doesn't really matter you know so there are some ways like that um one other professional recording equipment. What else did you say in here? Yeah, I mean, and, and lastly, I guess more important than any of that stuff would be, you know, interfaces and microphones and that kind of thing, being able to actually get the audio, uh, you know, uh, that's important. So um, I always tell guys, you know, if you're a drummer, Pro Tools, I think is the best for drumming, but any digital audio workspace will work well at this point, you know, they all have benefits. And, uh, you know, Pro Tools definitely has plenty of little annoying things going on with it. But, you know, I'm used to them all. Um, I think for drums, though, Pro Tools definitely is the best. That's just my two cents. Um, and, you know, you can get inter- interfaces for really cheap, man. And, you know, a lot of my YouTube videos, probably like over 50% of the videos that are on my channel we're done with an old, old interface, a Steinberg MR816X. They don't make it anymore, and when I bought it new in, like, 2010, it was, like, 650 bucks. And, you know, I used it up until fairly recently when I upgraded to some other stuff. Um, so, you know, you can get an interface. You know, the, the micro... Like, yeah, sure, in a perfect world, you know, having super high-end stuff would be great for everyone, but... You can get away with, you know, crappier quote unquote stuff and, you know, make it sound good. If your source is good, if your, you know, drum sound is good and you play good, it's going to sound good. You know, those are the most important things. And that's the thing with drums, man. Like there are so many variables. It It's really, you know, before you get to the mics and the uh, preamps and the converters and, and all that, you know, like that stuff is important too, but just as important is how you actually play. So I hear what you're saying and I totally understand how you can feel discouraged, but man, I mean, I still use Sennheiser E604s on my rack toms. In fact, I just now I'm finally thinking I might be able to afford buying some uh 421s for my toms. Um but, you know, up until now I've unless I'm recording in a studio for an album, I've always used E604s, which is like the industry standard live Tom mic that every, you know, local clubs, house engineer has for Toms, you know, like, it's a fine mic, It it's not the greatest, but you know, you can make it work. And, you know, that's all I can really say, I think about it is is that you don't have to have um, the best gear ever to make something work. You know, I used... Uh, whatever I could for a very long time and slowly upgraded over time. And I know that it can be really daunting to to first start looking into this stuff, but there are options. And uh, I definitely recommend, uh, I, I have an Audient ID44. That's the interface I use uh, for tracking drums behind my kit. Um, and the reason I got that, it's only got four inputs, but it has two optical or ADAT inputs, and that allows me to chain two additional units to it. Um, so I have chained to it two uh, Audient ASP880s, and uh, that, that adds another 16 inputs. So in total, I have 20 inputs. But the cool thing about like the ID44 is like that's a good unit. It's got good pre's and everything, like, and it's pretty affordable. So you could start with something like that you know, it has the four inputs do kick and snare and main overheads just to kind of get like a full picture of the kit recorded. And then later you could, you know, once you had some more money, you could add on, you know, additional mic prees. you know, you don't have to do it all at once. And that's one of the cool things about a unit like the ID 44. Um, so anyway, uh, yeah, I hope that helps to some extent. Um, But just know, man, like you're not alone in general, like looking into all this stuff and much less making purchases is pretty overwhelming and daunting. Um, But even myself, man, like, you know, a lot of the gear I use isn't the most phenomenal. So uh, it's gotten better over time. And I'd say right now I'm kind of at a point where I'm almost happy with everything I have. Uh, Like I said, I want to get some of those 421s. Um, I scored another AKG D112, the Mark one. Um, I scored another one on Craigslist the other day for like a hundred bucks. Uh, and they're cheaper than they used to be because they came out with the Mark two version of it, but I already had a Mark one and I've always used it as my 16 inch floor tom mic. So I got another one so I can use it as my other floor tom mic. You know, ideally I'd rather have you know, 421s for all my toms, but because they're so expensive, I'm just going to buy two initially, use them on my rack toms, use the AKG D112s on my floor toms, and then maybe eventually I'll upgrade uh, to 421s for everything. But, you know, just like what I'm preaching here, you know, you don't have to do it all in one go. So just food for thought. Um Yeah, man. And honestly, I oftentimes really like you know, I wouldn't want to do a YouTube video with it, but, uh, when I put videos on my Instagram story, you know, just the camera audio that the iPhone captures, I kind of think it sounds sick sometimes. Um, but anyway, what else did you say here in this email? Good buddy, Zach. Um, also, what would you be doing if you didn't want? Okay. So yeah, I like this question. This is another one I wanted to talk about. Um, I don't know, man. I think if I wasn't playing in a band, I would still play drums and I would do YouTube videos just because I really enjoy recording, do session work. Um, But I don't know. I've thought about it a lot recently because I've heard rumors about how there's not going to be any touring until 2022, which means I have over another year of being at home not touring. So I'm trying to think like, okay, what am I going to do? Do I want to up my... Uh, you know, what the hell am I trying to say? Do I want to up the content output? Like, I'm sure a lot of you guys, you know, might like that if I started doing even more videos and tried to, like, really capitalize on doing the social media, like, YouTube drummer thing. Or do I want to, you know, go... You know, I thought about using the next year, if I am indeed home for the next year, using part of my time to do something a little more quote unquote normal, you know, like going to a trade school. I think it would be badass to be an electrician. Those are the type of skill sets that I think would be really handy for my own self to use for home ownership, which I'm currently in the process of trying to do too. Um, And also they do pay well and it's never harmful to have a trade. And I wouldn't do that full time, but you know, then I'd have that skill set and uh, keep doing music and I don't know. So that's just one idea I've had, um, recently. Uh, but I think if you're saying like stopped doing touring altogether forever, I really don't know, man. Um, I've thought a lot about how eventually assuming I continue playing metal and, and want to do it the way I do it, which is like hard hitting and pretty hard on my body, to be honest, I've thought a lot about how eventually I would like to end up being uh, an AR rep at one of the companies that I've worked with for a super long time. In fact, I kind of jokingly said to my old Tama rep, when he told me he was leaving uh, to move to Evans, um, he was, yeah, he was the rep at Tama, Aaron Vishria. Now he's the rep at Evans Drumheads. Um, But when he was leaving, I kind of jokingly was like, dude, let me get that job. You know, let me take your place. And he kind of was like, are you serious though? Like, cause I might be able to like convince, you know, Tama Japan, like, you know, but, and, but then he kind of was like, well, you'd have to move out to LA. And I was like, "Ah, I don't want to do all that. So, um, but it seemed like it was like a potential thing now, you know, but I also, I'm not like ready to stop touring and stuff, but, um, you know, I think going to work for one of those companies would be really cool. Uh, because I will always love drums and I will definitely always love gear. Um, so I could see doing that at some point later in my life. Um, I think I'm good enough with equipment, have enough know-how, uh, and also am good enough at talking with people and communicating that it would be cool. Um, but yeah, I really don't know what I would do if I just st- totally stopped full-time. But um, I've also thought about you know this next year, if I am in fact home for all of 2021, maybe I will uh, try to get certification for being a barber. I've always wanted to do that. Um, you know, I love getting my hair cut and keeping my fade all tight and I'm very detail oriented. So I think I'd be okay at doing it for other people, you know? So I've thought about maybe I'll try to do that this coming year. Um, Anoop and I also have our, uh, RS drums software. It's like, literally we were just talking, uh, online a few minutes ago. Like we just got like a final version from native instruments. So that'll be out soon like, really soon, and uh, who knows, maybe that'll grow, I don't know, but um, you know, I don't know, man, I think I don't know if this really answers your question, but I don't know, I think I would always do drums in a part-time capacity, but uh, if I stopped touring, I think I might go the route of doing something and I might just be saying this right now, for the record, because 2020 has been kind of hard on my mental health, (laughs) And I'm kind of worn out, um, but part of me thinks I would not do uh, the route of some people and like upping their social media game and posting even more, and more and more and more content. Blah blah blah. You know, um, clearly I know people that have done really well with that. You know, now people are starting to stream, and I've had people tell me I should start to stream. But to be honest, man, I don't. I don't want to. Like if anything, I, I've i had less a desire to post and be active online than ever before. And I kind of think that that'll come back. I kind of think it's just 2020 and that I've been kind of up and down, depressed and not, and incredibly anxious about a number of things going on in my life. And I'm not unhappy entirely right now, but I'm also not like, I don't know, I'm not at 100% mental capacity. And I've also been just filled with so much uncertainty in 2020, as almost everyone has, that I'm just not as focused. I'm not as like gung ho about posting online all the time. And I I never want to be that kind of person that is like, uh, you know, for the most part, when I post online, and I'm excited about something, it's exactly how I feel. And, you know, then I see people that post all the time, you know, and it's more of a job. And, you know, they have a schedule to keep to because it is their job and they got to put content out by a certain time and, you know, that kind of thing. And I don't know if I want to be that, you know, I don't know if I want to be that dependent on social media, because it wears me out. And as I'm getting older and older, I'm finding that to be more and more true. Um, You know, not to bash anyone that has done that more power to them. But I I just don't know if it's for me um, in the long term. But, you know, then again, I love doing drum videos and I love recording. And I also like doing stuff like this, talking and being on the podcast. You know, it's all pretty new for me, but um, I love that kind of thing and having like a genuine connection with people. So I don't know, you know, maybe it's just 2020 that's making me feel that way. Um, You know, And it doesn't mean I'm not I'm not saying I'm going to go hard in the other direction and like stop posting altogether or anything. I just don't know if I, you know, would want to go in that direction of like trying to do it full time, like in terms of income. So I think if I wasn't touring and getting additional income from that, I would uh, probably do something more along the lines of what I was talking about, like uh, some kind of trade or. I mean, maybe I'd go back to school. I've always thought being a therapist would be awesome, but I don't really think I wanna go back to school at this point, Um, mostly because of money. If it was free and I lived in a country where I could just go to school, then sure, yeah. But uh, I'd rather spend money on something else, you know? Uh, I'm just, cause school is overwhelmingly expensive. Um, I mean, I know people that, you know, have hit me up that like went to school for music graduated and are now trying to do what i've been doing for the last 10 years you know they want to know how to get endorsements they want to know how to get gigs they want to know how to go on tour you know they're basically trying to get their foot in the door in a in an industry that doesn't on average pay a lot or at at the very least is very inconsistent and on top of like trying to get their foot in the door to that industry they have, like, you know, anywhere from twenty dollars to $80,000 of debt from going to music school. And I'm just like, holy hell, man. Like, oh, my God. Like, here's the thing. I think music school is great for some people. You know, I think, you know, I remember whenever I've toured with Matt Gartska, you know, Gartska, like, he went to Berkeley and he fucking took it for everything it was worth, you know? Like, he went in there and worked his ass off and got the most out of the – uh out of the... What the hell am I trying to say? Ah, shit. There's a word I'm looking for. I hate that. when you, There's a an exact word that would sum this up perfectly, and I can't... Oh, the resources. That's it. That's the word, resources. He took full advantage of the resources that were at his disposal at that college, and he practices practiced his ass off for years while he was there. And, uh, you know, so for him, I think that education was fully worth it, you know? Um, But I do think there's somewhat of a misconception of people thinking going to music school and having a music degree, you know, that's not going to get you a gig necessarily, you know, so um, I don't know, you know, if I did go back to school, I definitely would not go for music. Um, You know, just because, like I just said, I think a lot of people are. Okay, let me back up. I would love to go to school for music if it were free just for the education aspect of it, you know, like just so I could take advantage of, uh, great instructors, you know, and, and being kind of like engulfed in that kind of an environment for however long, but in terms of like realistically what it would cost, I would never do that. (laughs) So, yeah, um. Anyway, now I'm just ranting. But then again, that's the name of this podcast, y'all. Rants and Revelations. I feel like the tone of this podcast is more serious than the other ones I've done, in a way. I don't know if that's true or false, but um, yeah, anyway. What else did I want to say? Yeah, so I don't know, man. I I do think I'm going to end up having to explore this year uh, potentially some other options if we're not touring at all in 2021. Um, but I'm, I'm also trying not to base any, like, I wouldn't make a decision to like a long-term decision this year. You know, this year's just been too odd. I need to get back into the groove of being on tour and living my life like normal again before I'd ever consider, you know, something different down the line. Um, I think I still have a long, long time left of touring. Um, I'm very excited at the idea of going out on tour with Whitechapel again and playing the songs that you know, playing some of the songs that we're currently recording, uh or at least they're currently recording. I don't go and track drums till December, but uh by the time I go to track drums, everything else will be done. Drums we're doing very last. So um I can't wait to play songs with them that I, you know, had a part in writing. And not that I don't love playing uh their songs too, and in fact, to Zach Shanley, the G, uh, I almost said the Gmail, because uh, that's what kind of email you have. Um, but the gentleman that uh, emailed me, he also asked me something about Whitechapel. So I'll segue into that here in a moment. But um, I love playing their older material too. Um, but I'm excited at the idea of playing material with them that I wrote with them. So you know, I can't wait for that. Even if it doesn't happen till 2022, um, hopefully that's incorrect though. And hopefully we tour sooner than that, but we'll just see what happens in the world. You know, shit's crazy as fuck out there right now. (laughs) Oh, uh, and anyway, Zach also asked me in this email, he emailed me again and said, also forgot to ask. I was just wondering what Whitechapel songs do you like most? My favorites are Decennium, Diggs Road and Devolver. Um, Diggs Road is definitely one of my favorites, although if we're talking about just favorites to listen to or favorites to play, they're very different for me. Um, Not always, but often. Um, I would say like all in favorite Whitechapel songs, Diggs Road is definitely up there. I remember the first time I heard it, it gave me goosebumps. Um, You know, Phil's vocal performance and the lyrical content uh, put against the song itself, which I think is just wonderfully written. Um, I love that song and and that's probably uh, I don't know if R in this war is my favorite album it's it's up there though I also really love new era of corruption but I think if I'm objective you know that album is only as up there as the rest for me because of when I heard it in my life you know like I was a little bit younger um but like I, I think objectively the valley their latest album was their best album um but, you know, for me personally, New Era uh, definitely hits a different way just because of the age I was at when I first heard it and that sort of thing. Um, I really like Breeding Violence, too. There are a lot of songs on a new era of corruption that I fucking love. Um, and same with Our Endless War, man. I don't know uh, if I can really choose just one, but Diggs Road is definitely up there. So I hear you on that. Um, I'd say Breeding Violence for sure. We've never played Breeding Violence live like with me in the band. So... Um, I hope we do at some point, um, but I'm pretty sure they played that song a lot before I was playing with them. So like they haven't wanted to add it back in anytime recently. And, you know, keep in mind, they're like seven albums into their career now. So they have no shortage of material to add into their set. So, um, I love playing Brimstone. I like a lot of the songs on their latest album a lot. Um, which is the one that I played at, uh, shit. I played it at Drumio. Why is uh, why is my brain just fried right now and I can't think of song name titles that I've played eight billion times? Oh my god, am I really gonna have to look this up right now? Uh, I'm ashamed of myself. Hold on. Oh my god, where is it? Uh, uh, Third Depth. How did I forget that? Jesus Christ, I'm an asshole. Um, yeah, I love that song. Black Bear and Brimstone are probably two of my absolute favorites to play live. They just hit so hard. Um, And there's a lot of songs on uh, the self-titled I really like too. I don't know, man. I've just, I've always been a Whitechapel fan, honestly. So, uh, you know, it's, I take a lot of pride in playing with them. I try to do a good job because I respect them and their band. And uh, I think it's great music. So Um, oh, you know, what's another one actually that I really like. that just while I'm on the subject, uh, murder sermon on new era. Yo, that song is tight. I hope we play that one live too at some point. So, um, anyway, there was something else in your email and then I'm going to keep this episode a little shorter tonight. I feel like to be honest, I didn't really have a whole lot. I wanted to say, I just was excited about the election. So I figured I'd, uh, do a quick episode. Um, you said in your email, Zach, oh, and do you ever have a symptom and then get anxiety all day long over it and feel like you're becoming crazy? Cause I can relate. I didn't really understand this. Um, <clears throat> because like get a symptom of what, like, do you ever have a symptom and then get anxiety? I, I don't know what you mean by have a symptom. If you just mean like, you have like a thought or, or something, maybe there's like a, I'm not sure where you're from Zach, but maybe there's like a language difference here or something, but, um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I definitely have times where I get anxiety and think I'm crazy. I mean, I think I pretty much just think I'm crazy all the time. Uh, at this point I just have come to embrace it immensely, (laughs) but, uh, Yeah. I mean, there are plenty of days, man, where I get anxiety. There are also times where in a moment I'll get a lot of anxiety and it can be crippling. I I don't, it doesn't happen to me often, but I've definitely had panic attacks. Um, no doubt about that. Uh, the last one I had was four years, three or four years ago. Although I felt like I was almost having a panic attack at some point in the last, like, I can't remember when it was like, at some point during the, uh, quarantine of the pandemic, like I don't remember what even did it. I was talking to somebody via text and I was trying to play drums too. And I just had this weird rush of like how uncertain everything in the world was and in turn my life. And I got really lightheaded and sweaty and felt like a little nauseous and like I was out of breath. But then I managed to stop it. I was kind of just like, all right, I need to breathe and chill the fuck out for a minute. Um, You know, but yeah, I definitely, my anxiety definitely, uh, keeps me up sometimes. And, um, you know, I can definitely relate to just getting anxiety and feeling like you're crazy, dude. You're not alone. I mean, I think pretty much anyone and everyone out there nowadays, you know, uh, I I almost think it's healthy to admit that stuff, you know, like I, I think I, for starters, I think that having severe anxiety or depression or not even severe, just any, um, to some extent is like kind of a sign of intelligence. You know, you're, it implies that you're analyzing either the past or the future, um, in my opinion. And, uh, you know, you're thinking about stuff or reflecting or worrying and, uh, you know, those are somewhat good qualities. It's just like when they, um, you know, overpower you, you can get overwhelmed. So, so you're not alone though, bro. And, uh, yeah, man, I don't feel as articulate tonight as I usually do. So I'm going to keep this pretty short. Um, but yeah, I was just, uh, man, am I thrilled about the election? Let me tell y'all. You know what I'm most thrilled about is to like not have to care about politics for a while. You know, it's not to say I won't pay attention to the issues or what's going on in the world, but like, you know, it's like it's like John Mulaney says in his uh, his last full stand up. That's another thing guys. I fucking love stand-up comedy so much. I'd say Bill Burr is probably my favorite stand-up comedian. Him and Dave Chappelle, but I love John Mulaney too and there's uh, his last special on Netflix at Radio City. There's a part where he's like you know, I never cared much for politics, you know, and he he talks about how with Barack Obama you know, he didn't care much because he wasn't really paying attention. You know, and and he says that might sound like an ignorant answer, but it's not. You know, he was good at his job. I didn't have to pay attention all the time because I knew he wasn't destroying everything or making a complete out like a complete ass out of our nation and himself and doing things that could directly impact people in a very dramatic way negatively, um, particularly like you know the working and middle class. Um, he was good. (laughs) You know, whereas with Trump, it's just been like four years of hell and fear and just wondering what the hell is going to happen next. And, you know, going abroad and having the rest of the the world hear me speak, realize I'm from America and just immediately think like, you know, I'm over that. It's embarrassing. Like, God damn. You know, I, I don't know if I should even say this. I don't know if it's something I should feel ashamed of. I feel like there are certain very conservative people that would take massive offense to this. But, you know, these last four years, I have not even remotely been proud to be an American. I don't know if that's terrible to say, but I haven't been. You know, I I don't like the things that went on in this country underneath Trump's presidency. And uh, I'm I'm always proud to be a Marylander. You know, I love the state of Maryland. Um, You know, it's a pretty progressive state, but we also have uh, a Republican governor and he's, he's a moderate though. You know, he's, he's like the kind of Republican I can get behind, you know? Um, and I don't know, man, like, you know, I love where I'm from. I've had a great place to live growing up and that kind of thing. But these last four years, you know, in terms of national pride, man, like I wouldn't go around spewing any of it, but yeah. Um, I look forward to a time where things hopefully continue to improve and, uh, you know, no matter what, it's pretty historic, you know, um, having the amount of people that voted in this election uh, and, you know, with Kamala Harris and everything, it's all pretty exciting. So immense relief that I I can't really put into words knowing that Biden won. So anyway, everybody, um, that's all for today. Uh, I do have a couple other topics I really want to get into and a couple people I actually want to bring on the podcast and have kind of real candid conversations with. Um, but I'll tell you more about that next time. In the meantime, I'm going to go, uh, maybe watch an episode of South Park or Rick and Morty season four of Rick and Morty just got added to HBO max. So, uh, you know, might go watch another episode of that. I'm not gonna lie. I pretty much already watched all of them, but maybe I'll rewatch them because I can. And uh, then I'm going to go to bed. So you guys have a great morning or afternoon, wherever you are. And I will talk to you next time. All right. Peace out.